When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. A lot of football right out of the gates, as you would expect. Joining us now, former New York Jet tight end. He's part of our broadcast crew, of course, on Sundays right here on 98.7. But he is a surveyor of all things National Football League related. It's our good pal, Anthony Becht. Coach, how are you? Dan, what's going on, my friend? Everything's great. I'm sure you've heard about all this Robert Sala stuff and the comments that he made yesterday, taking receipts, keeping receipts. We're going to have the last laugh. And apparently that's angered a lot of people, thought that maybe it's something he should not have said. What's your perspective? <laughs> yeah, Listen, you know, the guy's passionate about making New York a winner. Um, you know, it, it's bothersome for anybody to hear negative uh, talk or non positive vibes which you know that's kind of the opposite of what he wants but it is new york city man right so every word that you say that comes out of your mouth as a coach a player will be broken down reconstructed constructed and and taken the way that they want to put it into context and you know when you're a coach in in new york you you have to be cognizant of that but look it's something he said he wanted to say it Uh, we all know there's consequences regardless whether it's good bad or indifferent what we say but you know, look, he's trying. He's trying to win games. He's trying to get this team uh, to turn the corner. Uh, but uh, look, we all ultimately get judged by wins and losses, and you know, nobody wants to start out zero and one. But it is early, right, Dan? I mean, you know, there's there's a long way to go. Uh, you know, not a, half the team's lost this this past week, and he's going to have a chance to redeem himself against a team that, quite frankly, you know, uh, will be a good matchup for them, and and uh, hopefully, you know, they can find a way to, you know, make a quick change on some of the areas that maybe a lot of folks watching that film and that game didn't really think they were going to be needing improvement in some of the areas that they, they kind of came up short on in this last game. I think what the criticism from the fans and from the media that are, you know, trying to make this an issue is the fact that, you know, he shouldn't be paying attention to the so-called outside noise. You know, and a couple of people have brought up the thing last year, uh, him responding to the Rex Ryan comments, which, by the way, it was a question directed to him. It's not like he brought it up out of the blue. But I was saying earlier that, you know, all the players, coaches and whatnot that tell you they don't hear any of that stuff and they stay away from it, they're lying because it always finds its way back to them in some way, shape, or form. Isn't that the case? You played? Yeah, I mean, of course, everybody's, you know, they're cognizant of what's being said. I mean, uh, you know, that's what social media is all about. Um, you know, look at a uh, perfect example, Micah Parsons. I mean, uh, the guy gets, you know, uh, knocked out by Leonard Fournette on a chip block, and he's mad that people are posting that because, you know, he, he's, you know, he's pissed at people saying that. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, everybody everybody watches and sees. It's, it's constantly around you. Whether you don't read the paper anymore, it pops up on your phone, there's an alert. I mean, it's. You know, everybody can see it now. There's more access. There's one thing if you didn't pick up a newspaper. But now, man, that's that's the last thing you have to worry about. You know, your phone dings and somebody's mentioning your name or somebody's texting you because, hey, look at this. Read this. That's got to do it. What do you think about that? So it's always around you, man. You can't you can't really ignore it. But, 
you know, you're right. The, be- the best way, obviously, from a coach's perspective is, is keep it short. And, but from a player's perspective, of course, you see all that stuff. What takeaways did you have from this game on Sunday? Uh, we know that the offense was far from crisp. Defense did a nice job holding in as long as they can, trying to keep Lamar Jackson and company at bay, but didn't really get enough help from those other two components of the football team. But what were your takeaways? Well, you know, I think, you know, from, from outside looking in, I thought it always starts in the trenches. Um, you know, I know that they're down a few players, and, and obviously that show. But when, you know, the guys that are there, the guys that are supposed to be your catalyst up front have to play well, your starters. And I just felt like, you know, the guys that you needed to count on, Tomlinson and Fant, you know, those guys needed to be good in this game, at least, you know, even keel. And I didn't think they were. I didn't think they set the tempo. And it really, you know, it kind of set the tempo for the quarterback and the pressure. And, you know, look, Joe, Joe's not a guy that's going to move around and do those things. He needs a pocket, especially in the, in the middle. And you got – your guards and centers available for you, that pocket should be available for you. You know, you're worried about him on the edges getting sacked because of the youth and inexperience, but at least you can step up. And he didn't have that in that game. Uh, you know, some of the young playmakers, I thought I liked what I saw from the young players. I mean, I, I think nobody wants to see anybody turn the football over, but Brees Hall obviously is, is a next-level back that's going to help this team. I thought Carter looked extremely fast and quick when he had the ball in his hands. And quite frankly, you know, for me, you know, I'm, I'm a little old school with, with playing rookies and getting them out there. I don't think uh, Garrett Wilson should ever not be on the field for this football team. I want them to treat him like Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. That's the kind of guy that I want. I mean, that's just how I look at it. And I think they look at it the same way. But at the end of the day, what, what's, the, what's the weight game? Why do we have to wait three series to get him in? Let's go. Put him out there. Like, let's go. We're, we need playmakers. He is clearly arguably the best one on the whole entire team. He'll catch every ball. Let's get him on the field. So, you know, look, I think you'll see a lot more of them in this football game coming up. But, uh, you know, there is no slow pace for me when you're talking about a top 10 pick. Get him on the field and let him go do his thing. I agree with you. And I think that, you know, that from here on out, you're going to see a lot of Garrett Wilson. I mean, he played a considerable amount of snaps, but he was late getting involved, certainly, as you said, early in this football game. We're talking with Anthony Beck here on 98.7 ESPN. How about the quarterback? Now, we know that it's still going to be not Zach Wilson, at least for the next couple of weeks here. Do you go into this if you're Robert Sala on the coaching staff with a little bit of a short leash on Sunday that, you know, let's say the first half of this game, the offense mirrors what we saw last Sunday. Do you think you make a switch to jumpstart things? Yeah, You know, for me, it really doesn't matter who's out there between him or Mike White. You know, I, I think Flacco with his experience gives you a considerable amount of more opportunities, um, you know, Mike White's not moving in around in the pocket more than, than Joe Flacco is. You know, Mike's a, pa- a pocket passer. So, you know, like I said, the circumstances around Joe Flacco's success were not, con- you know, conducive to, for him to, to have a really good game. And, uh, you know, you got a guy falling down uh, in the interception. You got a receiver, you know, not catching the ball in third and, and, and long early in the game to, to convert the, the, the change. I mean, you know, what do you want? I, you know, look, yeah, you could play somebody else. That's fine. But, Joe Flacco's got enough experience and enough know-how and enough pieces around him where I feel like he should be successful. Is he old? Yes. Is he a guy that, you know, is not going to lead you the entire season to where you want to be? Probably not. But if it's clean, I'll count on him more than a lot of quarterbacks that have a clean pocket as well. He knows what he's doing. He's getting the ball in the right spot. And ultimately, I think he's your best opportunity to win in the short term. 
Let's flip over to the Giants here. For my money, they gave you the biggest upset win, most surprising performance in week number one, as a matter of fact. I mean, there were so many encouraging signs that you got here. And you start with the head coach. I mean, a couple of gutsy decisions, as we know, going for the win with the two-point conversion. What was your uh, Giant impressions from Sunday? Yeah, you know, I like it. You know, I'm a big Dable fan. I've known him for a while. I like what he's doing. Clearly, you know, when you're talking about winning your team over, and giving them confidence, uh, you know, and giving them confidence on how you're going to play a game each and every week, you know, to go for it and get that two-point conversion. I mean, you saw it. I mean, the guys embraced them. They loved it. They got it. And and that's the difference right there in the mentality going into the week, moving forward, and you want to win your guys over. So I think he did a great job of that. Uh, it was nice to see Saquon Barkley, uh, bec- you know, look like the Barkley that maybe – you know, everybody was expecting cannot be a guy that can continue to do it throughout the season, stay healthy. Those are question marks there. And, you know, they do have weapons for Daniel Jones. At some point, you know, those guys are going to have to do their thing at the receiver spot, and, and, and they're going to have to win games as well. So if you can get that mix, you know, they could surprise some teams. But going on the road, that's a big win. Coach obviously getting the, uh, the notoriety with, the, with his players and, and the guys after the game, the excitement, that's, that's a great part of the game. But it's one game, right? you got to see what happens moving forward, but it definitely wins over the locker room. Saquon had himself a fantastic game. I thought that run he broke off in the third quarter was the turning point of the game, as a matter of fact. If, if he stays healthy and he shows that he is close to the guy that we saw as a rookie, how much do you think that changes maybe the outlook of this offense as you move forward through the season? It's huge. Uh, you know, it takes a lot of pressure off the quarterback. You know, this offensive line has been much uh, demised over the last couple of years. And uh, for them to get a spark in the run game, take some of that pressure off the blitz packages. You know, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, he can be a 1,250-yard uh, rusher for the season and catch a bunch of balls as well. So he is the key, in my opinion, because they just have not had 16 games of him since he's been there. And, and that's clearly been evident because of the pressure that the quarterback's been on to actually do it by himself. So this offensive line can stay healthy. That probably dictates how much Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley stays healthy and ultimately plays well this year. So, you know, good start for them. And, uh, you know, you see the improvement. And, again, you get through the season being healthy, then I think they're in good shape. There were a few notable head scratchers from coaches around the league. You had a couple in the Tennessee Giants game, of course. (laughs) You know, some of those Tennessee decisions there on those short yardage plays, you know, tight end, end around, instead of giving the ball to Derrick Henry to pick up a yard. You know, the decision there late in the game and the execution, having to burn a timeout because, you know, you couldn't even get huddled up, which maybe contributed to not getting closer for a field goal there. Uh, Not the best look when you talk. You know, week one is supposed to be, you know, getting the rush worked out from the players because they don't play in preseason some of the coaches suffered those mishaps including last night as we know out there in seattle yeah i texted you yesterday man the million dollar coaches are giving me all the notes and strategies that i need for what not to do in a, in a situational uh part of the game you know whether it's timeouts the way you utilize your goal line you know not being in shotgun on the one inch yard line twice in a game i mean you know look i again I look at certain things. I look at like a guy like Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, this is his first head coaching job. You look at a guy like Dable, his first head coaching job. What got Dable there? Calling plays. Well, is he calling plays on a play-to-play basis for the Giants? No. No. He can manage. He can be a head coach. Hackett, on the other hand, man, that's a lot going on, dude. I'm telling you, it's just it's not easy. I get it. You know, he wants to. You know, that's kind of what made what made him there. But he doesn't have the same kind of players. He doesn't have the same guys doing their things, and he's got to manage a football game. And clearly, 
it looked like it weighed heavy on him in that game last night. So you're right. I mean, uh, it, it's not just the players now. It's it's the coaches. And coaches always preach situational football. That's what the key is. But when you're in those moments and those crucial crucial downs and distances and times in the game and making those decisions, you better be quick with it and you better be authoritative with it. And when you're calling plays and you're getting plays in late and you're trying to get the clock situation and the play clock's going down to three, two, one, and you're not ready, that's a problem. So we'll, we'll see how that that works out for him and some of these other coaches. But absolutely, that was a big factor in this week's game. Was Nathaniel Hackett ever around running around the locker room uh, back in your Jets days when his dad was your offensive coordinator? Uh, yeah, well, you know, he, he didn't really start kind of taking the step into coaching until I left and went to Tampa. Paul went to Tampa as a quarterback coach. He came on as a, you know, a quality control, uh, draw cards kind of guy. Really smart. You know, he was still figuring out if it was football or microbiology or whatever. He was getting <laughs> super smart, intelligent guy. But, you know, he's been around the game his entire life. You know, clearly Paul obviously coached for many years, and uh, it's in the blood there. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's gotten some of the positive and the negative attributes of, of, uh, of, 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 the, of the legacy. But, um, you know, I, look, he, he got a head coaching job in the NFL, man. There's only 32, so he's doing something right. We'll see how it goes for the rest of the season. I know, I know that was weighing on you heavily, too, either to go football or microbiology. I know that you were thinking one or the other, too. I'm, you know, it was a well, tough choice. Well, the Harvard choice. of the, the Mid-Atlantic at West Virginia, you know, I had so many <laughs> options when I was coming out, like draft or, you know, stock market. You know, who knew what it was going to be? But I did have those, uh, those, those calculated decisions I had to make at the end. Yeah, Don Neal. Neilan came calling. He wanted you to play football, but Anthony was like, how's your science department? That's what I'm considering, right, more than anything else? <laughs> I added a wing to it, so that's how <laughs> impressed I was with the entire Right, the Anthony, Anthony Beck Science Center down there in Morgantown. Um, how about the that? refreshment stand area inside the science uh, building. Absolutely, really nice. of course. How about the uh, Patriot-Dolphin game? You know, as we keep things kind of close here with the huh. division. Um Look, I, I, you know me. We've talked. I, I don't think much of the Patriots this year on paper. They do not impress me. But uh, did anything happen in that game that maybe caught you by surprise? You all, Patriots side, they didn't look good. You know, they looked functional on offense. You know, I didn't think Mac Jones looked like he had control, and it didn't look like there was clarity on what they were trying to be. Um, you know, I felt from a Miami standpoint, I didn't think Tua did anything spectacular. But when you got a guy like Hill and Waddle, man, just get them the football. He did make a couple big plays in that football game, a fourth and seven. He hit Waddle for the touchdown. But, you know, they had a fumble in the game that they were lucky to recover. That would have been costly for them as well. But the defense was the big kind of eye-opening for me for the Dolphins. I thought they played incredible defense. I thought they were the story of the game, not necessarily uh, the the offensive side. But, again, you know, for Tua, it's not that hard, right? Like – you're designing plays for two guys that don't need to catch the ball 50 yards down the field to be successful. These guys can catch the ball a yard away from the line or even behind and make big plays for you. So Mike McDaniel seems like he's a pretty smart guy. If he keeps keeping in that mode, they'll, they'll have success. But if the defense plays like they're playing, you know, that, that's a problem for, for teams in, in the division because uh, you know, I thought they played really well defensively. Was there a team Sunday or Monday or whatever that, that opened your eyes that maybe – caught you by surprise that maybe you didn't think would necessarily going in chiefs for sure you yeah. know I, listen I, I i didn't think they would you know without hill like how is that going to happen you know is kelsey going to be able to still do isaiah he's pacheco man rutgers come uh, on no, no, I, told, I tried telling rutgers. you <laughs> well you and some other people that i know apparently I have all my friends who got rutgers time so i got to hear these things about players that i normally wouldn't be talking about but <laughs> yeah look he was a fact 
he was a factor in the game. I mean, you know, they, they, he's got number 10, too, which it's, he kind of looks like Tyree Hill when he's out there. But, uh, yeah, man, like Mahomes was on, on point. I felt like, the, I mean, they, they took it to him now. It wasn't even close in that game. And, you know, on the flip side, the you know, Cardinals just, I couldn't understand what was going on with that team. They just didn't look like a, a team that had practice at all, you know, trying to get ready for a game. And, and it showed big time. So, yeah, man, I mean, listen, same old thing. Chiefs are Chiefs are the top again. Everybody's talking about the whole entire division, but you got to beat the Chiefs, right? Everything goes through Mahomes, and, and they showed it week one. Last thing here, uh, and in regards to the Giants, you know, with this Dak Prescott injury, that's going to knock him out for probably at least a month, maybe a month and a half. Um do you maybe think that that could open the door potentially for the Giants to maybe have a little bit of an opportunity in this NFC East? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's too early to tell. They're week to week right now. I don't know if, you know, winning division obviously might be an internal goal, but winning, you know, the next game is probably the biggest thing. Uh, yeah, clearly it affects it. You know, Philly to me is a team that, you know, I, I probably liked out of the division outside of Dallas. Dallas clearly, with the lack of receivers and CeeDee Lamb, can't do it by himself. And, and Dalton Schultz, I just don't think that's enough for them to get it done. And, you know, the Bucks really took it to them, at least defensively. I know they're not going to face teams like that every week defensively. But, you know, to me, Philly looked good. They looked good on defense. They scored a bunch of points. You know, Hurts is a better quarterback and probably didn't play as good as he wanted to in that football game. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the door's open because, yeah, you're playing a team that doesn't have their starting quarterback in your division. But, you know, Washington was able to win as well. So you don't know what you're going to get week to week. So, for me, it's it's one game at a time for the Giants. You just Can you stay above or at 500 moving forward every single week? That should be the goal for them. And then just start try, trying to stack up Ws. You know, can you win two in a row? Can you win three in a row? Those, those are the things the Giants and the Jets have to learn how to do. They don't. They haven't done that yet. So when they start consistently doing that, that's when you can start talking about the division. Has uh, Giselle been seen out and about down there in Tampa, down in your uh, stomping grounds there? I know you're very piped into the gossip scene down there. TMZ is always hitting you up for the latest uh, rumors and things like that with the Tom and Giselle. Is everything A-OK down there? Yeah, you know, we're we're a similar party avenue scene down here. Of course we are. You know, boats, yachts, we all try to, you know, stay kind of close close parties with each other. With Jeter, same thing, right? tweet out. She put it. She put a tweet out and said, hey, you know, congrats, Tom Brady. Here we go, Tom. Go get it, this and that. So, clearly, it looks like it's it's okay for this week. But we know how that thing works. We, it's a, that's a week-to-week thing as well, probably. Yeah. We'll check those tweets every every uh, every day before the game. Week-to-week, day-to-day. Who knows what's really going on behind the scenes there. But uh, I know that you'll get it out there to us uh, as soon as uh, things are clarified for sure. Uh, A.B., thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. Appreciate it as always. And uh, we'll talk again soon, pal. All right, Dan. Be well, bud. All right, there's Anthony Beck, former Jet tight end. He's part of our uh, broadcast team here on 98.7 with the Jets. Good NFL conversation from him. 800-919-3776. couple of interesting news and notes from around the league that we found out today. A couple of injuries, a couple of releases, all this stuff that we have to throw out there, plus your calls. Dan Grosser Show, till 10, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! 
loved. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. We're rolling till 10 o'clock tonight. Get me on Twitter at Dan Gross at G-R-A-C-A. Uh, a couple things around the NFL before we get back to the phone calls. I guess the Steelers get good news regarding T.J. Watt. It sounded like he was going to be lost for the season. I mean, you're talking about a guy, you know, defensive player of the year, how important he is to that team. Sounded like he was going to be lost for the season, suffering that pectoral injury against the Bengals in week number one. But now they think he's not going to need – not. They don't think. They know he's not going to need surgery after he got about two or three different opinions. And so they don't have to IR him necessarily, and he might be back in six weeks, which certainly is great news for the Steelers. And maybe just maybe by then they'll get their offense figured out. They'll have a steady quarterback that they could rely on and those type of things. Because, look, the defense is going to have to carry this football team this year. When you have the uncertainty at QB, whether it's Trubisky, whether it's going to ultimately be Kenny Pickett, the rookie, Defense has to do their part here, so getting Watt back in there sooner rather than later, you hope, would be beneficial for the Steelers. But when the Jets play them in week number four, you know, Watt is not going to be out there. So that's one less thing that you worry about. Colts said goodbye to a kicker already, Rodrigo Blankenship, who had a miserable, miserable day on Sunday afternoon against the Houston Texans, uh, lined up for a very, very makeable 42-yard field goal in overtime which would have given the Colts the victory over the Houston Texans. And remember, they played a sloppy football game, had to come from behind. But Blankenship missed that one. Shaky on some others as well. Colts said goodbye to him. And, you know, for those of us that had Indianapolis in maybe a survivor pool or two, certainly you wish that this would have happened maybe even before Sunday and they wouldn't be breaking hearts and uh, destroying pools across America. And Dak Prescott, it looks like, will not be out as long as maybe the Cowboys fear. Jerry Jones said today that it's only going to be like four, six weeks. So, look, Giants are going to have to face this Cowboy team in a couple of weeks on Monday Night Football. So it's not going to be Dak Prescott then. It'll be Cooper Rush in all probability. So that is a feather in the cap for the football Giants when they take on the Pokes in week three. That'll be a MetLife Stadium on Monday the 26th. 800-919-3776 is the number. Bru- Buddha in the Bronx is up next here on 9870 ESPN. What is up, Buddha? How are you? What's going on, Dano? What's up, Bud? How are you? I'm good. I mean, I'm just listening to Anthony Beck. You sounded exactly like when I called you and Greg. Anthony <laughs> Beck was like the exact same thing. And I say this to you affectionately, Dan. You yeah. know, like, and I don't mean this in any tough way or anything like that. But sometimes, bro, you just got to take the L. I mean, you hear what the fans are saying to you. You heard what Anthony Beck said. I mean, when you said the thing about what Casale say, you know, at a certain point, just sometimes you don't need to say nothing. And the um, reason why I say that is, for twofold. I'm going to go to the off-the-field reason, and then I'm going to go to what's going on on the field. Now, off the field, you know how it is in this town. The vultures are circling. You know, it, it, it's tough. And um, that first game didn't look good. So, you know, there's certain powerful voices in radio 
that can really make it bad for you if you're a Jets coach. And you don't need to give them any ammunition. And I mean, I love them both. They're two very different guys. One is Mike Greenberg and one is Joe B. Uh, two very different guys, two very different approaches to being a Jets fan. So if you tick both of them off, it's like you're sort of rallying the troops against yourself. You don't really need to do that. And I like Salah. It pains me to say this. You know, It pains me to say this. And I don't want him to be fired. I'm not rooting for him to be fired or any of that stuff. Now, on the field, what Salah's real dilemma is, the defense looked a lot better. That's undeniable. The defense looked a lot better. You know, I could do without him, you know, doing his Tom Thibodeau uh, impersonation, you know, and, and arguing with the refs on every call. But besides that, things looked a lot better, you know, defensively. But the offense, I mean, the offensive line was bad. Like Anthony Beck said, I don't care who you put back there. It wasn't going to work out. But you know why Salah's in so much trouble? And you know who he's – deep down inside, if you gave him true serum, mm-hmm. the two people that he's mad at, first is Zach Wilson. I mean – he can't stay on the field, and when he's on the field, he's been borderline atrocious. But, you know, Joe Douglas hasn't done him any favors, bro. I, I got to be honest with you. How the so? Pick for Zach Wilson was que- the pick for Zach Wilson was questionable. The offensive line. Yeah, but wait, wait, Buddha, let's was, stop a sec. Let's stop. i let you have your say here yeah. for a second, okay? Now, now, now we're going to okay. have a little yeah. give and take here. You mean to tell me let's you stop. think that Joe Douglas was the only guy who had a say in, in not only drafting Zach Wilson, but then getting rid of Sam Darnold and then electing to take the quarterback second overall? You didn't think the coaching staff was on board with that as well? Listen, I think everybody in the world was on board of getting rid of Sam Darnold. And it's not necessarily about picking another quarterback. But I don't know how many teams had Zach Wilson as the number two best player or even the number two quarterback. I mean, I don't know about that. 49ers, hey, you know what? If the Jets didn't take him, San Francisco was doing all they could to move up, trust me, to take him themselves. To get Zach Wilson? Trust me. I heard other names. I heard other names. But listen, I'll take you on your word for that. But what I'll say to you is this, is like just from what you've seen, and I don't even really care like what your assessment is or my assessment is mm. of him as a player. He's not available. And he is not available. Last year it was because he got hit. This year it wasn't even that he got hit. So, you know, now you're looking at the schedule. And all these games, when I look at the schedule then, when we first started the year, mm. we were looking, look, I said they should win eight. Some people said seven. The, the, the measuring stick for unacceptable was six or below six. Now when you look at what the games that took place this weekend, Pittsburgh, Mitchell Trubisky is no, um, no road grader, but they're not a walk in the park. You look at Seattle. They play it inspired. Now those games that we thought, hey, you know, these are the games we have a chance to win, you have to reconsider that. And it still goes back to the quarterback not being available. The musical chairs at quarterback, that has never worked for any team. Mike White, Joe Flacco. I mean, the man's in a tough spot. He's really in a tough spot. And you know what happens here, Dan? What's really going to be unfortunate is you are based on your win-loss record. Now, anybody who has any kind of common sense knows that things have not broken right for him. But you know that that's not going to play well here if they win. Four no, you got to win. And it's a total possibility. Buddha, of that, you got to win a games. Total possibility. You've got to win games. And I thank you for the phone call. And you know what? When you don't have your starting quarterback, that's going to make life difficult for any coach. Any coach in any team. But I don't think that's fair when you said that Joe Douglas, you know, hasn't done him any favors. I mean, you want to look at this roster from two years ago versus the roster today? It's a good roster. They believe in this roster. 
They think you can win games with this roster. But again, if you're not having, if you don't have your starting quarterback, and as I said a couple of days ago, this roster was put into plan with Zach Wilson operating it under center. And unfortunately, he's not available to begin the season. Now, he missed a few games last year. He's going to miss a few games to start this season. But that doesn't mean that that is going to be the end-all, be-all in his career. Phil Simms. Phil Simms was a guy who couldn't stay healthy the beginning part of his career with the Giants. I think that he authored a nice little script for how he's remembered, right? You know another guy who couldn't stay healthy in his first couple of years in the league? A guy who's still playing right now. A guy who won the Super Bowl last year. Matthew Stafford. You know how many games Matthew Stafford missed his first two years with the Lions? 19 games. But people forget that because it was a long time ago. Matthew Stafford missed 19 games, 19 of 32 in his first two seasons in the league. And that was a guy who was saddled as a guy who was not durable and who could not stay healthy. I think it worked out okay for Matthew Stafford. Who's to say the same thing can't happen for Zach Wilson? But you know what? If he's not going to be available and this is going to be a a, a common theme, then you know what? They are going to find somebody who could take the field each week. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. More of your phone calls plus a little baseball conversation as well with the Yankees, the Mets. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Another sloppy performance from the Mets tonight out at City Field. Cubs have a 3-0 lead. And, you know, look, it's tough to get a gauge on these games while we're on and we're doing the show and whatnot. But it's just like, I mean, so many plays at first base. I mean, I, Alonzo's fallen down like twice trying to get throws from one of the other infielders. There was a, a, a bunt play where you had a runner who clearly was on the grass running down the first base on, by the Cubs, and they didn't call him running out of the baseline. And it's not a reviewable play, which just again feeds into the inconsistencies of Major League Baseball replay and why it's so darn frustrating. And DeGrom has been the casualty of it. He's given up three runs here in four innings. I mean, this is like unfound territory for Jacob DeGrom. But why, oh, why, oh, why are the Mets playing uninspired sloppy baseball again? You know, this is a team that they should be beating up on. They can't get a hit to save their lives. They can't make a a, a routine fundamental play in the field. And we've seen this against some of these bottom feeders over the last couple of weeks. I know they took two out of three in Pittsburgh. I know they took two out of three in Miami. But, I mean, there's no excuse for this. This 13-game stretch, which they're now, I guess, you know, in the second week of, I said they had to go 9-4. and four. And that was the Pittsburgh series, the Miami series, 
Two more with the Cubs and then four with the Pirates later on this week at City Field. I said they have to go nine and four. They're four and three, and they're losing three nothing here in this game. Thankfully for them, you got the Braves who are kind of coming back down to earth a little bit on the West Coast, and they've lost three games in a row. Nail biters. Sunday was a game I can't believe they lost because the Braves came all the way back to take the lead. And then Seattle stunned them with two home runs in the bottom of the ninth. And then last night, Giants won a 3-2 game, but Atlanta had the tying run at third base in the eighth inning. I'm shocked that they didn't get them home. So you still got a a one-and-a-half game lead, but the Braves aren't going to keep losing. And then after they get through with this West Coast trip, they're on the East Coast playing teams in the division, which they're clearly comfortable against. And tonight you got Kyle Wright going for Atlanta, who's going for his 18th win. You know, last night's game, whatever, Bassett's do a stinker, it happens, but it's the same old, same old. I mean, 10 men left on base, you can't get a big hit. I mean, bases loaded, no outs, no runs. Left the bases loaded in the first inning, no runs. And somebody's got to explain to me, too. Darren Ruff, the fact that he got put up in that situation last night in a big spot, and of course the outcome isn't a surprise that he didn't deliver. I mean, what has Darren Ruff done since coming over to this team? I mean, that for all the good that this organization has done in the last year, bringing in players, that Darren Ruff trade from San Francisco really makes me scratch my head. I know that J.D. Davis was getting phased out, and he really didn't have a niche this year, and you know they wanted some more production from the D.H. position, but whether it's Vogelbach, whether it's Naquin, whether it's Darren Ruff, I mean, those guys collectively have really not done a great job. They've had their moments, except for Ruff, Ruff is one for his last 35. Please explain to me why they're putting him up in those situations. You mean to tell me that Mark Vientos wouldn't have given you a better at bat? I know they just called him up, but then why the hell is he up here? If you don't think that he – remember, this isn't a Mets team that's 30 games out of first place and you're just playing out the string in the month of September. This is a pennant race. You're trying to win a division. If you didn't think that Mark Vientos was going to be able to help you, why the hell did you call him up? And so Buck was asked today before the game about Darren Ruff and specifically why he keeps sending him up there. That's a mental, emotional part of it, you know. And then that's sometimes that's more important than the actual black and white numbers. So that's the challenge that managers today face is taking all this and, okay, this is what it should happen. This is what I'm seeing is happening and which one is it going to be? You know, Ruff's one of the, you know, last four or five years, he's one of the best right-handed hitters against left-handed pitching in the game. Hasn't followed lately. So when's it going to start? At some point, I guarantee you, at some point in the rest of his career, he will revert back to that. When's the question? Well, you know what? Again, we're not going to sit here and wait all year and wait all day trying to win a division, trying to get to a World Series, not at the expense of somebody's, you know, mental, emotional, and him working his way out of a slump. Uh -uh Uh-uh, uh-uh. This is a meritocracy. It's big league baseball. You either produce or you don't play. It is as simple as that. And if you're not, we'll find somebody who can. This ain't Little League where every kid's got to play two, three innings a week or whatever the hell the rules are. I don't even know anymore. So it was when I played. The big leagues. Justin in Cedar Grove. He's up next, 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Justin? How are you? How you doing? I, uh, I was out of the car for a little bit. I uh, was hoping I could still bring up Coach Sala. Yeah. That's okay with you? Sure. So, uh, as a 40-year Jets fan, I'm just as pessimistic as anybody else. I mean, we, it, beaten down, broken. And, of course, the initial knee-jerk reaction to his comments is like, oh, this guy. But being a, being a Jets fan is miserable. Being the head coach of a Jets fan has got to be like dating a girl that only talks about all the bad things that her ex-boyfriend did to her. Like, that's all you hear. So, 
it's not his fault Zach Wilson went down. It's not his fault Makai Becton and Dwayne Brown went down. I mean, it, it, Joe Flacco has lead in his shoes. What would you like him to do? Do you want to play Mike White? Is that really the answer? I mean, again, I know the initial gut reaction is to get angry at, oh, he's making these comments. I get it. But <laughs> the injuries, what's he going to do? I mean, it, I personally thought the defense actually played really well the first half. But when you're on the field 85% of the game, you know, two big plays. The one ball that Bryce Hall was beat on, which Bryce Hall played five plays, and, and they managed to find him on that one. And then but the, the coverage, but Justin, Justin, you watch the play, the, Bryce Hall was draped all over him like a blanket. The right. coverage couldn't have been any right. better. Right. So they're really, I mean, when you really break it down, I mean, again, I thought the energy from the defense, Quan Alexander, a lot of the guys, it just looked different in the first half. And again, yeah, the offense stunk, but again, you're going to bang this guy because three of his big guns got hurt in preseason. I mean, Dwayne Brown brushed his teeth and he's out for a year. Again, I know I'm as miserable as the next Jets fan, but I, I get Salah's frustration with hearing about same old Jets because, again, we, we deal with it too. So, again, I get it, but for people to jump off the ship day one, geez, relax, give it a week or two. My God. Justin, good phone call. I appreciate it. And it's, I mean, think about it. You're Robert Salah. All right, let's just take him for, you know, just as because that's who we're talking about. Robert Sala's a guy who grew up in Michigan, clearly not a Jets fan. I don't know how much Jets coverage was filtering its way over to where he grew up. You know, at least locally, probably not a hell of a lot. Nationally, who knows? I don't know how much he was paying attention. You know, and you think he knows the tortured history of the organization and the fan base and all the heartbreakers? You think Robert Sala knows about, you know, the mud bowl? You think that Robert Sala knows about, you know, the Bills in, in, in 81 at, at Shea Stadium in the rain in the wild card round? You think he knows about that? You think he knows about, um, you know, Cleveland in the divisional in 86 with Gastineau and Bernie Kosar? You think he knows about that? You think he knows about uh, the fake spike, Dan Marino? You think he knows about Rich Kotite and the couple of years that he spent here? All the You think he knows about week one in 99 when Vinny pops his Achilles before the season is essentially underway? And that ruined that trip to the Super Bowl, which was supposed to be? He don't know those things. He don't know what happened to all of his predecessors. All he knows about is this team and this year and since he's been here. And he's trying like hell to turn this thing into a winner. And so he's supposed to have the attitude that it's not going to turn around under his watch? Boy, if he didn't think that he could turn this thing around and make a difference, then why the hell did he take the job? Why did he apply for the job? When the Jets called and said, hey, you want to interview for the job? And he said, nah, you know what? You guys are never going to win. No thanks. I mean, I just don't understand what some people expect. 800-919-3776. Talk a little Yankees. See how things are going up there in Fenway Park. And maybe, just maybe, a little bit of a glimpse as to how this offense is going to be functioning for the foreseeable future. We'll also talk baseball with Chris Jimenez coming up at 9 o'clock. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yankees, meantime, they're doing their thing in Boston. They've just tied up the Bo Sox at 3-all in the sixth inning. Why? Because Aaron Judge. There you go. Judge goes Apo Taco, number 56 for number 99. So that five-game homerless drought is now a thing of the past. So 56 dingers, 20 games to go. I, I, I mean, he's getting it. He's, he's, he's passing Maris. I mean, if he stays on the field, he stays healthy, he's going to pass Maris, and he's going to be the American League all-time home run leader in uh, – in baseball history, which I think is pretty damn cool. And certainly the fact that he's wearing a Yankee uniform just like Roger Maris did, I mean, that means something, certainly. So who knows? And look, Judge and Stanton batting one, two in the lineup behind one another, third game in a row. And that's something that's going to continue here because LeMayhew's not ready to come back yet. Rizzo's not ready to come back yet. Certainly Benintendi. I mean, who the heck knows with him? I mean, if you're Aaron Boone, you're making the best of what you have to work with. And right now, to put those guys right now at the top of the order. And the thing about Judge is this, too. Before he even hit the home run tonight, Judge was hitting. You know, Judge was contributing over the weekend when they were beating up on the Tampa Bay Rays. He was doing his part. He didn't hit the ball out of the yard. But he was still having quality at bats and and producing. Tonight, he's got a couple of hits on a home run. Stanton's got a hit tonight already, too. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And you know they will because you can't leave well enough alone, and that's just how these teams are. But you know and I know. That if this is something that is going to be productive for the Yankees, just 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 leave it up there. He scored 20 runs in two games. He got three already tonight against the Red Sox, right in the middle of the game. Just let's see how far this thing goes. Cole, on the other hand, well, that's a different story. I mean, Cole didn't exactly go out there and dominate this evening, right? He's given up three runs. Um, not exactly a vintage Garrett Cole performance. A couple have left the yard. I know he struck out nine guys, but... Wanted a little bit better, right? Wanted a little bit better from him tonight. Remember, his first two starts against Boston this year were awful. Awful. Last one was pretty good. You wanted to see more of the last one, not necessarily the first two. Even, you know what, you would have taken what he gave you last week when he pitched against Minnesota when he struck out, what, 14 guys? A little bit off tonight. A little bit off. Kurt in Jersey, up next, 98.7 ESPN. Kurt, how are you? All right, how you doing? Good, Kurt. What's going on? All right, I'm calling in about the Jets. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that the, the Jets made a mistake after the, the, the preseason. They should have put Mike White on on the practice squad and, and put Streveler in there as, as a backup. The guy the guy's a go-getter. You know, he, he, he lit it up every time that he was in there. I think, Kurt, that when you're trying to find guys who could play the quarterback position in the NFL, scouts, personnel folks, talent evaluators, 
they're looking for a little bit more than guys who are just go-getters as far as, you know, they, they're looking for actual, like, NFL ability. Yeah, well, he he came from behind and, and scored. How, how many touchdowns did he throw? But Kurt, Five? you know, the, here's the thing, though. The Jets know, and I think people around the NFL know, and not to take anything away from Chris Trevler, because I like the guy personally. Okay, I've interviewed him a couple of times, and I think he's a great story. But he did that stuff in the preseason against guys who the majority of them are not even on an NFL roster anymore. Those were backups. They were second stringers. They were third stringers. Guys who maybe didn't even make practice squads. So I think that that goes into it as well. You know, I don't think that he would have that same type of success if he was playing against starters on other teams right now. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, the, the guy the guy did his reads, you know, he, he and when somebody wasn't open, he took off. Well, and, and you, you know, he can move. Right. Joe Flacco can't get out of his own way. I know, but you know what? Not There's not a lot of quarterbacks who are, you know, fleet of foot, to be honest with you. And, Kurt, thanks for the phone call. You know, look, here's the difference. You make your read, right? Let's just use, say, you know, Chris Trevler as an example in the preseason. If you sit there and you make your read and you deliver the football to the way that Chris Trevler did, let's say, to the guys that he was playing up against, he was able to complete some passes. If that was the regular season, you were going up against starters on the other side, like that read that might have been there for one second, you deliver the ball, that read might not be open by the time the ball gets there if you're going up against the opposing ones. You know, Chris Trevler taking off, making plays with his legs. The guys he was going up against, he was able to run past them, run around them, run through them, whatever. That happening against ones, those guys could close probably a heck of a lot faster. And I don't want to sit here and, and make it as if I'm, like, dumping on Chris Strebler. It's a good story. But, I mean, it's amazing that, you know, before you heard all about, well, it should be Mike White. Mike White should be playing over Joe Flacco. Now it's not even Mike White. Now we've, like, forgotten about Mike White. And it's, we got to go down to Chris Strebler. <laughs> Put Mike White on the practice squad and get Strebler up here and have him be the one that's going to be able to lead us to bigger and better things and to help kind of soften the blow until Zach Wilson is ready to go. Can't please everybody. I get it. You can't please everybody. But if the Jets felt that Chris Trevler gave him the best chance to win, he'd be playing. Or more importantly, when he was cut, right, if the 31 other teams felt that Chris Trevler would be at least a backup or a third stringer on their roster, they would have claimed him. Instead, he went unclaimed, and that's why he ended up on the Jet practice squad. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>